Welcome to the Michael and Ellie Morning Show. <laughs> Don't get used to it. <laughs> Warning, this podcast contains topics and discussion that is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the E&M Talk Podcast with Michael and Ellie, where we discuss everything ethical non-monogamy and have intimate conversations with real people from the E&M lifestyle. On this podcast, we'll talk about current events and topics that people who practice ethical non-monogamy can relate to. Our show is not about lifestyle gossip. In fact, the names have been changed to protect the not-so-innocent. Would you like to be a guest on our show? We want to hear your story. Hey everyone, welcome to the ENM Talk Podcast Show, episode number 11. I am flying solo today. It's one of our rare morning podcasts, and Ellie is at work this morning. So if you hear me sipping coffee now and then, you know why. I actually, today, I have a special guest joining me, someone that I have known for quite some time. She's an amazing person, and we share a lot of similar values in ENM. She's a relationship and lifestyle coach and the founder of Loving Without Boundaries, Kitty Shambliss. Welcome to the show. Yay! I'm so excited to be here with you. I think I've been trying to get you on the podcast now for, well, the previous podcast, which was what, eight, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that? Oh my gosh, has it been that long? Time just flies. (laughs) It really flies. (laughs) Because you were just, you were just kind of getting started with your Loving Without Boundaries when we met. Okay. Yeah. So the, the first blog post I ever wrote was in 2012. So that was that, eight years ago. And then my be, podcast started five years ago. So yeah, we met somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. Pretty close there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about you, you know, real briefly and, and, uh, and what you do. Sure. So I am today a uh, relationship coach and I specialize in helping people live their most authentic lives free from shame and guilt and insecurity in the open relationship and sex positivity space. And a lot of times that means I'm wrapping my arms around the larger LGBTQ plus community and people that feel they they don't have anywhere to go sometimes and they're maybe feeling really alone in the world. And um, it's been a, a very strange and interesting journey that led me here, but uh, now I feel this is my life's work and my passion. And I don't know how much backstory you want, but so I'll just start with today and we can, we can jump from there. But I, I love what I do. Um, my mission is called Loving Without Boundaries, and that's started as a blog, then it became a podcast. We have 145 episodes out, and now I'm a certified relationship coach, and I, I just help people all over the world, and it's just an honor and a privilege to do so. It's super exciting, and, and just the way that you go about doing it is is pretty amazing, but it's more than just... Uh, a job for you. This is actually a, a way of life for you. You are uh, ethically non-monogamous yourself. Tell us what that looks like. Sure. So yeah, so today I live with my husband. Uh, we've been married 13 years together. Um, gosh, 
wait, is that right? No, we've been married almost 15 years, together about 17 years. And uh, my other partner, who's a man, he also lives here and he's been uh, living here for about four years and together five. We also live with our two cats, partly because for many reasons. So I identify today as a, um, a polyamorous woman. And uh, my husband and I couldn't have children. So I partly view polyamory in my life as a way to build a modern, untraditional family. So my partners also have other partners. Um, So yeah, so we have a a pretty amazing polycule and it's literally taken me decades to get to where I am today. So without going into a ton of backstory, um, I I went to 12 years of Catholic school and I always joke around, I'm a recovering Catholic. (laughs) So I I was a good girl back then. So I didn't even start (laughs) dating until I was of age, 18 years old. And I kept trying to do monogamy and it just did not work. So I ended up becoming a cheating serial monogamist and I did that for over a decade and failed miserably at it. And um, then I met my now husband on Match.com when I was still trying to do the monogamous thing. And then he and I just decided that we were going to orchestrate our relationship in a way that made sense for us. And so eventually I read The Ethical Slut and learned the word polyamory. And uh, we first explored kind of the swinging scene, you know, that sort of open relationship, Mm -hmm. then eventually settled on like today, I more identify as polyamorous. So that's kind of like the real quick story of how I got to where I am now. Right. So I mean, but the, the, the nice part about that is, is that especially with the topic that we're going to be talking about today, you have very intimate knowledge with how a lot of this works. And and it, I feel like that's got to create a connection with your with the people that you work with, because um, whether they're LGBTQ or whether they're ethical non-monogamy, polyamorous swinger, we're all kind of on the fringe of what is uh, normal modern society. And so by having that, uh, that personal connection with ENM yourself, you are very relatable as a relationship coach, as a counselor. Uh, is it okay to call you a counselor? Sure, I don't even know what, the, what all the different terminologies are. Um, but, but you have that personal connection and that experience that you can pull from that helps you uh, break through some barriers that you may have that they, that a relationship coach or a counselor may have with their their people that they're working with. One hundred percent. Yes, I am fully you know practicing that lifestyle. I've been through all the roller coaster emotions, all the ups and downs, and often what I like to say is I've been down that ditch before. You know, whether mm-hmm. it was depression or dealing with jealousy. Mm-hmm or grief of loss of my old life into this life. You know, I, I've been through it all and I have tons of empathy and I, I, I just hate to see people suffer. So that's partly why I do what I do to help people come out of, of suffering. And as you were talking, it made me realize too, when I was, uh, when I was young, I was very painfully shy, if you can believe that, and felt like such a misfit, very left of center. And so through high school and college, Then I got to this place where I started to get popular and conform and fit in. And then as life went on, now I'm back on the outside. I'm I'm back being one of the misfits again. (laughs) So I think it's (laughs) it's funny. Like, so now I'm a minority, but, um, but I guess I'm kind of happy here. You know, I, I enjoy, um, you know, 
this community that we're in that is often uh, stigmatized or discriminated against. And that's partly why I'm so passionate about what I do is to help make the world a safer and more accepting space for people just to live their lives the way they want, you know, free from all of that. And no matter what's going on in the world, to do it from a place of self-love and self-acceptance and to know that there are people out there like myself, like you, who Mm -hmm. get them and, and love them for exactly who they are. So you're not just a misfit, you're kind of the leader of the misfits. Oh, I love that. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So when we started the magazine, of actually, I got a couple of thoughts there that are just kind of running together. I'm mm-hmm. going to back up here a little bit. Um, I think it's amazing how this month happens to be shaping up in a way where all of our different articles are kind of colliding together. It almost seems like it was by intention. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, it was my intention, even though it actually wasn't. Um, (laughs) Because you have experience with cohabitating with your partners. And that's one of the big uh, topics of the magazine this month is um, we're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a podcast about that next week. But it's but there's just all of the challenges that go along with that. So and and then also on the other side of that is you are a relationship coach that has some experience in ENM and uh, Nolan Lawless just did an article about finding your perfect match for a counselor, that sort of a thing. So mm-hmm. this is our opportunity to kind of pimp out what you're doing because you kind of fit under that category. If you're looking for a relationship coach, uh, Kitty Shambliss is definitely one of the people that you would want to have high on your list of people to talk to because I personally think she's amazing. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored. So much so that um, when we started the magazine, originally PDX Scene magazine a year and a half, two, two and a half years ago, um, we had always wanted to do this uh, Dear Abby kind of an article. Um, and I'd had several people that had, had stepped up to do that. And I'm like, nope, I've already got somebody in mind for this. And it would just, we just needed to get all the planets aligned. You know, we needed to get you in a place where you were ready to do it. And we were reached a place where we were really ready for that article. And that happened when we started ENM magazine. And I am so excited for the dear kitty article that we have now. Tell us a little bit about your part of that, what that means for you. I will say it it really, it means so much to me and it's so nice to be able to have this interview with you just to let you know that. And (laughs) I I just love it. It's funny because when I started my blog back in 2012, for me, it was kind of like a living journal and Mm -hmm. I was, I was sorting through my own emotions and figuring out who I was, you know, am I polyamorous? What am I doing? And in a way it was kind of me seeking help with my living journal. But what ended up happening was I almost accidentally started creating a community. And as people were giving me help with anything I was posting about on my blog, people also started to ask me questions. And so back then, back in, uh, I guess it was more 2013, I thought, wow, I'm almost creating like a Dear Kitty column. This is so interesting, (laughs) you know? And it was fun too. And, um, and so I just really loved that journey and I loved writing. So at one point I was writing three different blogs. So it got to be a lot that I was, oh, yeah. that I was really doing. And I eventually had to kind of dial that back a little bit. So, um, so now, you know, between the Dear Kitty column for you all, as well as just writing for my, my own personal blog at Loving Without Boundaries, that's now what I can handle, you know? So I had to kind mm-hmm. of get to a, a journey of kind of over... 
extending myself and then kind of pull back a little bit to realize what I can handle. And so I'm just 100% committed wholeheartedly to doing the Dear Kitty column. And it's so fun. And it's also just great to see the different questions coming in and get to pick which one we're going to answer. And it's just really great. We are so lucky to have you. I really, this is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a little corner of the magazine that I absolutely love because it, because it's really what the magazine is about. It's about, uh, it's about giving people some, um, a resource for, for help. Um, it's about kind of reaching out to our community, that sort of thing. But it's also about giving them resources for people that they can go to for more one-on-one intimate help. And that's where you come in. Uh, people like you come in. We have a couple of, uh, relationship coaches that we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of aligning forces with. So, uh, that's something that we're really, really super excited about. That's awesome. This is a good place for us to pause to pay some bills. And when we come back, we will uh, talk about the August Dear Kitty article that covers a topic that we are actually both very passionate about. So this will give us a little bit more uh, background to both of us, that sort of a thing. But we'll be back right after this. Awesome. Oh, damn it. What's wrong? I just caught a 30-day ban on Facebook for a photo I posted a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't even that sexy. Why aren't you using SAF Social? You know they allow all kinds of content there. I know, I know. I just forget sometimes. You really should join the Frisky Friends group on SAF. We have frequent photo challenges and encourage our members to get involved. I'm sure they would love to see your sexy photos there. The sexier, the better. And you won't be compromising your Facebook account. I know. You're right. And it looks like I won't be doing anything on Facebook for the next month anyways. Would you tell all my friends to go find me on SAFsocial.com? Tell them I'm going to post some extra sexy pictures to entice them even more. Mm, you bet. Maybe that'll get them to join and save them from getting zucked, too. <laughs> and we're back. Today, we are talking with our own lovely Kitty Chambliss of Loving Without Boundaries and her Dear Kitty article in this month's issue of ENM Magazine that covers a topic and response that Kitty and I are both very passionate about. This month, your reader asked how to address the concept of being married and polyamorous and how to explain that to someone. Should we take, an, uh, take a look at what advice they were looking for? Sure. Dear Kitty, a close friend of mine recently was grilling me about my lifestyle choices. They couldn't understand why I would involve myself with someone outside of my primary relationship. I know what my reasons are, but in that moment, I felt cornered and didn't know how to respond. They also asked me, why be married at all if you are going to be in several relationships? Wouldn't it just be easier to be a free agent? What would be the point of being married at all? These are actual questions I get asked often, and I often have a hard time articulating all of the things that make this work for me. Perhaps you have some insight that could help me find the language I need to help people understand. Signed, can't find the words. I know this is a passionate subject for you, and it centers around your own journey in Mm non-monogamy. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Sure, yeah. This is a question I've gotten very early on, right when I started my blog. And what I mm -hmm. shared in the article, too, is the first time I got asked it over the blog in one of the comments, I got to admit, I bristled a little bit and I almost got defensive and I had to catch myself before I started to write a reply. And I had to think about why. And I think it's just because I am so passionate about this topic. And I wanted to answer it in a way that was genuine and coming from the heart. So the, the first thing I'll say is for those who maybe don't orient towards polyamory, like for mm -hmm. me, it is who I am. And I've seen discussions before of some people don't really believe like you could be born to be polyamorous. And what I can say is just speaking from my own experience, I tried monogamy. It just didn't work. You know, so mm -hmm. for me, it's partly just about owning that and coming from a place of, of radical self-acceptance about that. And on the flip side of that, what I'll also say is, you know, I'm a, I'm a normal human being and growing up in the world that we're all living in. And, you know, so ever since I was a little girl, you know, I always wanted to be married. I wanted to have the wedding. You know, I wanted all of those, uh, those kind of trappings. Um, and... A lot of times people say, well, you really can't have your cake and eat it too. But that's one of the beautiful things about choosing how to live your own life and having that kind of concept of self-determination to run your life the way that you want. You know, I, I would really say you can have your cake and eat it too. So, right. um, so to me, that's kind of the first part is, yes, I absolutely love being married um, yes, there is couple privilege that's inherent in that. Some of that we have literally no control over. You know, that's mm -hmm. the, the laws of the land and, and it is just a truth, right? Um, right? I think it's really important to understand that privilege and then be able to come to a place of respecting that and owning that and being respectful of other people and where they may fall into that. And how that, and how that privilege impacts their lives. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. There's a responsibility that comes with that. And, yes. you know, I also own who I am and I really mm -hmm. enjoy having multiple relationships and living my own authentic life. And uh, for me, that's also extremely important. And one thing I'm passionate about, because there was a point in my life where I really struggled with depression on and off mm -hmm. for about five years. And some of that depression came from a huge midlife crisis, identity crisis. And on the other side of it, was self-love and self-acceptance, including, hey, guess what? I'm polyamorous and that's who I am, you know? Right. And, that, you know, the one thing that comes to my mind, just, you know, when people bring these kind of questions up, and it's really funny because when people ask the question, why be married and be polyamorous, that in my world, that comes up not just from people that are monogamous, but it also comes up from people that might be solo poly or might be within our ENM community, too. And it, it's unfortunate that it seems oftentimes like there's a, a layer of um, shame that is uh, attached mm. to that. And and it's surprising when I get that from people that are in our ENM community, because I would feel like they would understand what we're doing better. But it's really about the differences in who we are and how we relate to ENM, you know, as far as poly and, and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about some of the, 
the reasons why we would be married and be nominized. I mean, like you had said, you like being married. It's I like having that security of having the the I call them my nesting partners now because there's two of them. I, I don't know. How, how would you when you in your situation, you live with two of your partners. How do you have a distinction? Is there hierarchy within your house? We do our best to not have hierarchy as uh-huh. much as we can. There is the facts, right? I am legally bound to my husband. We own the house together, like we're on the deed together. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't escape those facts. You know, we wrote our will together because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do call on my husband and, and my partner. And then my other partner, we used to use the term boyfriend, but it seemed so strange, especially because I'm in my 50s now. <laughs> and it also didn't didn't seem to honor who he is. So now I, I generally call him my partner, my nesting partner, or also my co-spouse sometimes, yeah. um, or even my, my non-legal spouse. That's kind of a lot of syllables to say, but... <laughs> right. But we try not to have hierarchy within the, the household besides the facts that we simply can't change. I think that's important because, and, and it's something that we have, have kind of by steps kind of brought into our own relationships as well, because how people will relate to that second partner that you have will largely mirror how you, how you present them. And so mm-hmm. I, I feel like, uh, and this is part of the com- the conversation that we're, that you had in your article about how, um, people will, how they will or will not acknowledge this other person that, that is in your life, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like a part of that is also uh, how you acknowledge them. And so finding the language that to present this is this person and this is who they are mm-hmm. um, helps people with that too. 100% agree, yeah. Uh, and then there are, you know, as far as, especially in today's society, you know, with COVID and and the i mean I, we don't like to think about the fact that you know one of us could get sick and something bad could happen but um in being married there are legal aspects to that too that you talk about too mm-hmm. things just things like uh, you know if, if visitation in the hospital or something like that mm-hmm. making medical decisions those kind of things exactly um yeah making sure that your affairs are taken care of if anything happens to you. Those are all things that, um, unfortunately, society has set us up to where there are there are benefits to being married that, um, that bring us together, that make that a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, super excited about the starting to take steps toward plural relationships being, you know, recognized in a legal sense. Mm-hmm. It's still a baby step. We have a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. What other things would you say are good reasons to be married and polyamorous? I guess, you know, for some of it, it's it's the legal things that you spoke of, such as, you know, there's life insurance policies and um, and things of that nature. And there are, just to make sure I say it, I mean, there are ways to work around some of those legal things. Like you can create, and I'm obviously not a lawyer, but, you know, you can create like an LLC or find other ways to recognize other partners. But, of course, it's extra steps and, of course, money that you need to outlay. Um, But for me, it's um, some of it's just sentimental in a way. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I joke around, but I'm very serious in the article that, you know, my wedding was really fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we had a great time. 
Um, and back then I was really early on in my consensual non-monogamous journey. I didn't identify at that time as polyamorous just yet, but what I did believe in my heart, as many people do when they get married, I believed that my husband and I would hopefully grow in the same direction. And mm. obviously, we, none of us get married thinking that we're going to get divorced. So, you know, you hope that's what's going to happen. And right. now that 13 years have gone by, I can say, thankfully and happily, my husband and I did grow in the same direction. We we are on the same team. A lot of times I feel like our marriage, it's almost like you're running your own little business or entity. And that's kind of almost the way we run our household. Mm -hmm. But it just brings me great joy. You know, it brings me joy to be married um, as well as to have other partners, right? But, but you know, I, I enjoy some of the trappings that we all grew up with because we are we are human beings in the year 2020 living on this planet that does uphold marriage to um, a certain standard, so to speak. And um, and again, I do know that there is inherent privilege in that as well. But right. but some of it is sentimental in the sense of that promise you know that my husband and I made to each other to um, to grow old together we just simply left out the vow about and we're gonna forsake all others right <laughs> you know because <laughs> um, we're not doing that <laughs> right and for me it's even uh, not only do I orient towards polyamory but to me it's also just kind of math like in the year 2020 with the way medical science is we're all living longer you know so mm -hmm. for me the idea like let's say I live to be, you know, 80 years old, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. 51 now, like that's a long time. So to me, it's also, um, it's beautiful to have that idea of growing old with somebody. But to me, it's also realistic that I'm going to be attracted to other people and fall in love with other people. For me personally, like for me, a lot of my whole mission is I'm not trying to push polyamory or anyone or you should really be in an open relationship. You know, it's more about choice, right? Determining what would make you happy, you know, and right. we can evolve and, and change over time. So I also like having an open style marriage because in a way it's honoring each of our truths and also honoring the truth that we are evolving, we are growing. So in a way, it's almost like we're giving each other space to be who we are. And we're saying, hey, I love you and I want to be with you um, to the rest of our days to the best of my ability. I love that. And that's part of where the without boundaries comes in, right? Where you're, you're talking about um, that you are giving each other the space to... Uh, to enjoy those relationships and and have uh, participate in those in ways that that um, honor those and honor each other. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, to me, it's that idea of not having a cage around your heart. Right. You know, so just right. letting your heart and the, your relationships grow as each of those would like to grow, and we can't really predict those. And I, I don't, I don't personally believe in kind of keeping those in a, in a cage, so to speak. I think it's interesting too, that you, you talk about how your relationship with your husband is kind of almost, you run your household almost like a business and also how that, you, know, you kind of alluded to the work around that poly people can do, like they can form an LLC, that kind of a thing. And, mm -hmm. but really the, the reality is at least as far as my philosophy on E&M is concerned, it's, um, 
with your partners, you really are forming a partnership with them. Um, and a business is one way to look at it. Or like, a, like for me, it's more, I kind of equivalent it more to like a, a sports team. Oh, like, I like that. You didn't score the touchdown, but your teammate did. So you cheer them on, you know, that kind nice. of thing. So, but I mean, at the same thing, same thing could be applied to a business sense. Like, you know, you might not have sealed that deal, but your partner did. And you, you know, did all of the things to help facilitate that. And to me, that's where successful I, I don't want you want to use necessarily the term married partners are concerned because even primary partners or even even, um, you know, what I would consider a secondary partner, you can still be empowering and help facilitate that person. And even if it's facilitating means giving up your date night so they can go on a date with somebody else. It's it's all about kind of creating that that place where we're all working together to make sure everybody is enjoying their best possible version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think that's. I think that's what I was where I was going with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Beautiful. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Let's talk about how people perceive our primary partner relationships and how they perceive our secondary relationships. I mean, we kind of touched on that, but mm -hmm. um, you kind of have some experiences with this. I know that I have as well. Mm -hmm. I do. Yes. It's been such a long and interesting journey. And for me, the first two years that my husband and I did have other partners, at first we were closeted about it. And mm -hmm. my husband's girlfriend, who is still his girlfriend a decade later now, she got to the point where she set a boundary with him. And she said, look, I kind of feel like a geisha and like you're not proud of me because you won't let anyone know that we're in an intimate relationship. So I may make some decisions and possibly decide to spend less time with you. And she was 100% right. And in that moment, we were absolutely exercising our couple privilege. And we sat down and talked about it over a bottle of wine one night. And my husband and I realized we're kind of being a-holes here, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's been two years. Like, let's get real. And maybe it's time we step down off of this couple privilege pedestal that we're on and start to tell people that these other people are, are important facets of our lives and honor them and respect them. So we went on this journey of coming out to all of our friends and family, and it was scary and takes a lot of courage. And <laughs> most of the time it went pretty well, but sometimes it didn't, you know. Um, but what came out on the other side of it was in some places we did receive a lot of acceptance. Sometimes the acceptance was kind of surface level, but we found out kind of over, over years that they honestly didn't really... Uh, respect what our decisions were. So right. coming back to present day, I do find that uh, even though I went through that arduous coming out process, that sometimes people just don't really know how to act or what to say about my right. other partner. And oftentimes they often just kind of pretend he doesn't exist, which I find a little distasteful. And um, it's uh, what some people call like a microaggression. Um, mm -hmm. One way I see it kind of very blatantly and kind of factually is the people that do know that we all live here and we're all in relationships um, together and they both are my partners. They'll still send us Christmas cards and holiday cards just to my husband and I. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Um, so that, that's, that's how it shows up in my life. And uh, I guess what I said in the article that I do believe is true is it. You know, it's taken me decades to undo everything that we grew up with, with that idea of compulsory monogamy, and that's the only choice that we have. So 
I try to come to a place of acceptance about where other people are, that they're not right. just all of a sudden going to snap their fingers. And just because I had a couple conversations with them or they meet my partner a few times, my other partner, that all of a sudden they're going to have some big epiphany and just all of a sudden they're just going to you know, get it, you know, and start treating right. him just as equally as they treat my husband. I think that people tend to relate to the world around them on their own terms, on, on their own experiences and that sort of thing. And that's one of the things that we often get or that we often see in the world is one of the one of the most telling um, situations that we've had with that was with Christina's best friend. We call her Fluffalump. Um, <laughs> Cute. <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole story behind that. Mm-hmm. I won't go into it, but she will understand what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, she's a monogamous person. And when uh, Christina came out to her, she said, that's amazing for you. I couldn't share a candy bar, so I don't know how you can do it. <laughs> and so, but it, but it, but it, it, it kind of it kind of illustrates what I mean, though, is that people tend to look at us and um, and see what we're doing, and most of the time, I'm pretty sure I can feel their eyes rolling behind our backs, mm. like they just they don't understand it because they. They either won't live it, can't live it, or have never lived it. Mm-hmm. And until you've lived it, I don't know that they they can really understand those how those microaggressions. That's a really good word. Mm-hmm. Um, how those microaggressions uh, affect us and how they they work with us. And we've had, you know as you were talking about that, it reminded me of a situation where uh, Ellie and I were invited to a wedding once with one of our two for one of our friends that knows Christina Mm. like they are friends as well but she wasn't invited because they didn't want the three of us to show up together and have to explain to everyone Mm. I I think maybe sometimes people think we're going to show up for an event and have an orgy on the front lawn right uh yeah no that's not how that works we're just all Mm -hmm. together we're just you know we're we're yeah it's it would be like inviting an entire family Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it what it is for us but it's it's a I think it's a little bit of growth by steps, that kind of a thing, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it's baby steps. And again, it, it factors into why I do what I do is hopefully what we're doing now, you know, will help the next generation and then yes. the generation after that. And I used to get maybe angry about this topic, but I've just kind of, again, come to a place of acceptance, both for um, myself, you know, and also just kind of coming from that place of forgiveness and being Mm -hmm. grateful, you know, that I I get to live my life the way I do and realize that at the end of the day, people will do what feels most comfortable and sometimes they'll do what feels easiest. And and that's just kind of the way it is, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And that, that actually actually was something that was kind of I, I, we with the magazine. And I'm sure you can relate to this with your own thing is like we're, we're doing what we're doing partly for our community. Mm-hmm. But we're also doing what we're doing for the people that are on the outside looking in that are we we call it normalizing ethical yes. non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Like what I what I I don't want it, to me. It's not like the LGBTQ movement where you must accept us. But what we want is we want you to know we exist. We want you to know that that there's this other way of doing things that the world isn't just about, you know, you grow up, you get a job, you get married, you have 2.5 children and then you die. Mm-hmm. That there's another 
track that you can follow. Exactly. So, yeah. And I guess um, part of the way I think about it is I'm comfortable being that person that if polyamory comes up in a conversation with one of my friends, they can say, oh, I know someone who's polyamorous, you know, and <laughs> like, and as that conversation goes on, it does normalize it little by little. Right. When you know right. somebody that is, I'll be that person. That's fine. You know? <laughs> right. You kind of actually seen this in action. Like we go to the karaoke bar and we yeah. do our thing. You know, yeah, and, absolutely. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a fun, that was Super a fun night. Fun. I hope we get to do that again soon. I hope so, so too. So, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely. We're, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to have an opportunity, um, to thank you, not just for what you're doing for, for the magazine, but what you're doing for the community. Um, we love having you a part of our team. Tell our listeners how they will find you online. Absolutely. So the easiest way to find me online is to go to my website at lovingwithoutboundaries.com. There you can find my book, Jealousy Survival Guide, How to Feel Safe, Happy, and Secure in an Open Relationship. You'll also find a free masterclass that I offer. And you'll also find me on social media. So we have a growing community on Facebook, a closed community that we we welcome people. So if you just do a search for Loving Without Boundaries, healthy, open relationships and lifestyle freedom, you can come join our community. And from there, you can springboard into other ways to stay connected with us as well. It's a really great group. Um, I'm actually part of that group. And there's a lot of really, really, it's a very, very diverse crowd of people that are in there. But there's a lot of really great um, experience, uh, an accumulation of great experience. And there are a lot of a lot of uh, ENM wisdom in that group. Um, And then, of course, we should talk about your your Dear Kitty contribution to the magazine. So how do people get in touch with you to, to if they have something that they want to, a question they want to have you answer. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> they can shoot me an email simply to dearkitty at lovingwithoutboundaries.com. And I read every email that comes in. And who knows, maybe your question will be answered in an upcoming issue. And even if they don't, and that was, that was something too, is even if they don't, if, if it's not something that you choose to write, uh, respond to in an issue, that sort of thing, um, you, you might actually like reach out to them to say, Hey, let's, let's have a, a free 30 minute conversation about 100%. this and see, mm-hmm. see what we can do. And then may might even turn into kind of a relationship coach, kind of a relationship Absolutely. kind of a thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make sure I get those, uh, links into the show description so that people can actually find them there. Wonderful. And, um, of course they can also find your page on the ENM magazine website at www.enmmagazine.com. Dot com forward slash dear kitty. Beautiful. So that's all we have time for. Today. Thanks so much for stopping by. I hope to have you on again sometime soon. We'll have, I'm sure we'll have other topics to talk about. That it sort is of thing, such so. a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. I've had a blast. Thanks for listening to the ENM Talk Podcast Show with Michael and Ellie, sponsored by ENM Magazine and produced by Love Tribe Media. This show is made possible by the generous contributions of our Patreon supporters. We would love to have you join our Patreon community by pledging your support at www.patreon.com forward slash ENM magazine. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and comment on our show in whatever platform you're using. You can leave us a voice message by visiting our podcast at anchor.fm forward slash ENM talk podcast or by calling us 
at 360-524-3523. Until next time, we hope your adventures always have happy endings. Ha, ha, ha.